Yo, Chuck, run a power move on him. May I say something to you to give you a true knowledge of yourself and life so that the same glory and success attained by other men who understand themselves may be yours? Man in the full knowledge of himself is a superb and supreme creature of creation. When man becomes possessor of the knowledge of himself, he becomes master of his environment, the captain of his own ship, the director of his own destiny, the accomplisher of his own end. So, peace, peace. We are the Brooklyn Combine. And today we, uh, we have a special edition we have the uh, combine matriarchs um, with us today. So we have uh, Mama Montgomery, Mama White, Mama Shung, Mama McIntosh, and um, we're going to jump into some questions so we can kind of have a better understanding of our history and and where we come from. So before I get into it, though, I just want to pass the mic to Big Phil, Big Mally, and Dogs. Hello, peace. <laughs> the um, quintessential peace, tech peace. guy. The Mali band. I would just like to introduce myself. Where's Kenny? Everybody give a round of applause for Kenneth Montgomery and the Montgomery clan for such a great AKA the OG3 OG3 shit chef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, do a little intro, man. No, I, I mean, I think Ceremonial. you guys have already said it. These people are very important to us. So we often, um, I guess we work a lot and figure things out, but we realize that you guys did a lot and sacrificed a lot to um, even make our worlds, our, our lives better. Oh, and give us, yeah, and give us, give us a, a blueprint of right and wrong. So, you know, it's not, I, I don't think we should carve out a day for Mother's Day. I think Mother's Day is every day, really, to be honest. Every day. And we just wanted your perspective on some things today. That's really it. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's let's start with getting some backstories on these lovely ladies. Let's right. let's get your names. Right. We'll go around. We'll get everyone's names, <laughs> where you're from, and tell us what life was like for you, you know, as a child. So let's start off with your name and where you're from. <laughs> My name is Gloria White. I come I'm born in Brooklyn. Come from the Brevoid Projects, wow. and life was a lot different back then. So you oh. were born. You were born in Brooklyn. Yes. Do you know where your family had came? Like, what what was the transition of them coming to New York or Brooklyn? No. Okay, my mother was born in Georgia. My father was born in Blacksburg, South South Carolina. Okay. And he came up. Came the Blacksburg. Uh, Cherokee, I mean, Black, Blackburg Native, what's the, what is the history of the Blacksburg Native people? Cherokee. Cherokee, mm -hmm. Henry. That's interesting. And you? Um, my name is Barbara Montgomery. I'm from Portsmouth, was born and raised in Portsmouth, Virginia. Came to New York in, I guess in the late 60s. Why you came to New York? For a better life, I thought it would be better here than it was in Virginia, because Virginia was very racist. Like, like what? Racist? Against blacks, because we was in slavery. I uh, did set-ins when uh, with the racial war was going on all over the place. So I set a record because we could go into the road. It was a road store, road dime store, but we could not sit at the counter and drink a soda or anything. So when we get up we get out of school, we would go there and we would do protests and sit down. So you you would be one of those people who would you sit there and they had a milkshake pouring down your head? Yes. Just asking. You I, but seriously that that's did, were you were you willing to do that? Sure. Why? Because I felt that I was a fighter and I didn't think they had the right to do that because I seen my mother did housework and my mother would go to work, she would come home very tired. When I got to be about 12 years old, I would meet her at the house where she cleaned these white people's house because that's what we did. 
But that's what they did. They never show up. All right, and um, what's your name, young lady? My name is Phyllis Shung. <laughs> <laughs> and where are you from? I am originally from Georgetown, Guyana. Ah, Guyana. It's South America. South America. And what was it like growing up for you? Growing up for me was, well, I grew up with, um, with my mom. And she, she worked. We had, um, we... Yeah, her, her granny was a sewer. Yeah, my mother was a seamstress. She did her own sewing, and then she had, um, had all the outside work that she used to do with sewing and embroidery and, you know, stuff like that. Taking care of people, yeah. Yeah. And so how, how, was, um, how was it growing up in, in Canada, like, when you were coming up? Before you moved here, obviously. Before I moved here, it was it was okay. I don't think as hard as I understand the um, the blacks, you know, had to go through here in the United States. Mm -hmm. But you know, we mostly had um, blacks and Indians huh? who were the majority of the population there. What was the dynamic there? Did every did they all get along in in Guyana for the most part, or was there kind yeah, of like most a, most part, okay. most part, okay. but still there was kind of a you know uh, we we're with us yeah. and uh -huh. you know you Indians you stay right. right okay all right so now we how oh. you doing man Mama McIntyre yeah, what's wrong with you man I'm about to get to the question, no, man. No, no, no. We didn't she, get to, we didn't get to yeah, the, the introduction. Yeah, she did the introduction. I know. That's what I'm about oh, to get sorry. to. Sorry. Combine dudes mad aggressive. That's why we need the women around, man. I, 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 peace, peace. So, again, no, why don't you tell us your name, where you're from? We actually didn't ask the the, the, the mothers how old they were either. That's, I think that's important. So you, you think, you think these women are going to tell you how old they are? I don't know. I don't think so. Many of them might be proud. Y'all, y'all old don't realize these women nowadays, they're very comfortable with it. They're very confident. That's y'all who are uncomfortable. I mean, like, so. in any event, moving on, moving on, moving on. I'm an old When I get home, she's going to say, I don't like old. that question. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, my, or morning. <laughs> my name is Arlinda McIntosh, and I'm 60, and I enjoy being 60. I was, um, Born in North Carolina, but we came to New Jersey when I was about th maybe three or four. And um, what part of New Jersey? Newark. Okay, so this would have been like the mid '60s. So it's like around the time of like the Newark riots, you yeah. know. Yeah. Do you remember seeing any of that going growing up? Uh, we were visiting my grandmother in North Carolina, and we saw it on television. Um, I mean, I didn't know much about what was going on, but I know coming back home on highway, we saw all of the, um, what those tanks, the trucks, the military the, tanks. Yeah, mm -hmm. saw the military tanks coming back, so I asked <coughs> my parents what was going on. They told me, I, I really just asked, just, and I didn't really listen. So I, I didn't really know, you know, how the full extent of what was going on. I just knew that we couldn't, I remember we couldn't look out the window because it was our block. I guess the whole area mm -hmm. was, um, I don't know how you call it, they, it was on lockdown. So Curfew. we had to, yeah, we had to yeah, so we couldn't really go outside. When we did, when my parents went shopping, they were escorted to the supermarket and back home. And wow. Well, yeah, I mean, y'all could look that up. That was uh, 67 North, under martial law, like a lot of other chocolate cities. Mm. So, I mean, from there, Keith, I guess we could start to go into what it was like for a lot of these mothers raising their children. In the 80s and 90s, if we want to go there. 70s, um, 70s, 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 80s, 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 90s. 90s. Yeah, oh, I mean, because um, I actually remember when it was 77 when they had the rights and they trucked the whole back of Broadway. Mm -hmm. We're going to yeah. jump into that. Yeah. But um, tell I, you said, you told me about a story uh, where uh, something was mentioned in Jet Magazine in 1962. Yeah. You, I was in the sixth grade and the teacher was a white teacher. We were raising our hands to go to the bathroom. Mrs. Sparks, that was her name. And this she, is in New York? It's in New York, PS21, Christmas Addicts, PS21. Oh, wow. 21. 21. 
She so we yeah. she we raising our hand and she started saying any meeny miny mo catch a nigga by the toe. What? Mm. what? The teacher. Which is how the song actually that's the original song. People don't know that any meeny miny mo catch a nigga by the toe. If you um let him go. Let him go, yeah. Let him go, yeah. So what happened? Yeah. Well we told And that's told our parents. Yeah. We told our parents they Came up to the school within the next day. It was a big, um, how you say? Uproar. Yeah, uproar. Mm-hmm. Big uproar. The teacher had to publicly apologize, which she did not the next day, but the day after. Mm-hmm. She apologized, but then they weren't happy with that. They had to. They fired her. Mm-hmm. Got rid of her. The NAACP got on that, and then it was a write-up in the Jet back in 1962. Jet I just don't remember which month, but it was toward the end of the school year, like right. March, April, May, somewhere around there. I'm going to look for it. I'm going to look for the Jet and, Beauty and, of the and Week and that's in that what they one, need too. to do to that woman <laughs> that, um, that said that thing about McCain. Yeah. So, 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 let's, right. so we're going to jump into... So I, I also want to hear some other kind of like childhood stories real quick before we jump into what it was like raising. So... Name uh, what what happened. What was your experience like coming up? And um, and I know you talked about the sit-ins, but what else was your experience like? We ain't deal with nobody pulling no milk shit for the head. I don't know why. Else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, chill. Come on here and spread this propaganda. I ain't deal with no nonsense. <laughs> Come on, nigga. I know your tell, son. Tell no, us what it was like. You was a young girl, right? Hey, yeah. You were. Come on, beat that boy real quick. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, man. Put, put, I know you ain't dealing with nobody pouring your milkshake on your head. Tell it, tell us what it was like for you as a young girl. As, as a young as, girl. Yeah, Nima, Nima, the young girl. When did you realize it was us and them? I realized that when my mother used to go to work and work for them, and when going to school, like only school we went to school. Our school was downtown. The white kids' school was downtown also, so we had to ride the bus, but. The bus got to our school first, so we got on first. But when we got on, we couldn't sit down in the front. We had to go to the back of the bus and sit. The white, a few blocks later, the white kids got on. And so we had to stay the front seat with them. But then it was so many of them that they backed into the back of the bus. So we used to take our pencils, take the race out, put a scrape pen in, and we would sit there. And I see them, we were holding it like this. So when they back to the back of the bus, because they had come back, they, um, they would get stuck. Was, they were, that's right. <laughs> and that's what we that's used to That's my girl. And so I was always, I guess I was always. Antagonistic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Mama Shung, what was it like? Because, um, I mean, your, your experience is unique. N- not just coming into New York, but coming into America. Yes, well, I came into America late teenage. Okay. So I had practically all my schooling in Guyana. And it was, you know, um, we, we didn't have any, um, you know, like riots and all of that stuff. Everybody went to school, you learned, you know. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, that was it. Yeah, Jim Jones. Yeah, Jim oh, Jones. Then, what about that? Oh. No, that was that way was, after I was here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but did you know anybody? Did you know anybody? No, but you know, you know no, what's funny? I, I all remember the Jim Jones people. You said that early. I, I was Americans. like, yo, mom. She you know, said all the people, Jim Jones people were right. I, I was like, yo, yeah. mom, you, you, you know, did you know? Did any your friends, you know, go Tell people hook up with Jim, them? Who Jim Jones yeah, was so like, you know, um, Jonestown, you know, Jim Jones, not the rapper, not Dipset, but Jim Jones. Who's a cult leader, and he and he they found their way to Jonestown, Guyana. It was like a it was like it's been a made up place in 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 Guyana. Was, no, was there no, a Jonestown? No, there was a Jonestown. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, Jonestown was there, but they they occupied it essentially, and then that's where they had this sort of like um, cult. You know, that was a moment where they where they had mass their, um, suicide. Yeah, and they had this mass suicide. So, what was that like at the time? I mean, you well, you were like here, you, but yeah. Well, first of all, when we heard about it, everybody was wondering how could, you know, West Indian Guyanese people get into that kind of situation. And then after 
the news came through is when we learned that there were no Guyanese. They were all Americans all that traveled Americans. from the USA right. and went there and, you know, and lived there for a while. And then this cult leader, you know, he caused them over. to get yeah. into all this stuff. And he made them do the suicide mission. Mm -hmm. right. Oh, that's that's interesting. And of course, it was all on the, the guise of, you know, good religion, but people got caught up. So speaking of religion, what was what was life like for you growing up? I mean, you you were you were younger than some of the other Nemas, but you were the church girl. You were you were in a house. You wasn't running around like Nima making it happen. What was what was it like growing up as a as a young girl? Okay. <laughs> Yellow shit. <laughs> well, I grew up. My mom was a uh, my mom my mom was a minister, so I spent my youth in church every night. <laughs> every night, and um, I guess I've kind of always lived in my head in the enchanted forest <laughs> to get away from from that. So I didn't really pay attention to any of the racial things. Actually, my mom raised a little white boy in a house, so I never really was. What do you mean, like the church type? Shut up. <laughs> I, I, but you know, I wasn't taught racism. You know, I wasn't, I was, I'm, you know, wasn't a part of my upbringing. Yeah. So I saw, Bar he was just him, and I never really paid it any attention. But how did that come though that y'all was raising a white kid? His mom was um, messed up in the street. Yeah, she was kind of. What was his name? Bobby Flesh. Jesus, Bobby, Jesus. Jesus. Oh. Is this my What is he doing now? Are you spoken to him? I'm just curious. No, it's a common bond. That's a statistic. I want to know what happens. I, well, I don't. Well, I saw him. I saw him. I avoided. I just went across the street. I saw him. He's around. Yeah, he's still, is, he, is he still in it? He's, he, is, We're not going to make this conversation right. about him. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm out. No more questions. <laughs> But again, growing up, you know, your, your, your mother's a minister. My mom's so a minister, yeah. so, you know, I, um, it was church. It was church every night, and when it wasn't church, it was church at home. What I did to take myself away, I, um, I was, like I said, I was a creative. I really liked playing with bugs and, and, and plants and things. So my, my whole thing is totally different. You probably won't even find it fun to listen to. But, uh, you know, I like looking at what ants did, and, and my, you know, and I, I learned a respect for bugs and bees and you know that type of thing so mine was a different upbringing and i was free to be very very creative so i wasn't really affected by the maybe i wasn't i just don't know it what not what i can't have the story that kenny wants yeah. I don't want to. I don't want you to <laughs> put that on me. <laughs> now you were clearly oblivious to a lot. That was definitely North yeah. 60s. I mean, you still had whites only. First I want to know North the story Carolina, about so. how. Bobby hey, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess so. Now I guess we can get to the yeah. thing that they all have in common, right? Raising raising children. But so before yeah. we get before we even jump into raising children, we're gonna take a quick break, some music and come right back with how the Nemas raised children. Peace. about how the Nemas differs, right? You know, different backgrounds, different ages, different times, but ultimately very similar experiences in some cases. One thing they all share, of course, is raising children on the Northeast in a very wild time in this country. Do y'all believe in giving beings? Mm -hmm. I think. Right yeah. <laughs> They're all nodding their heads. Yeah. Wait, you know, no, I, hold on, I Nima, Nima, Nima Shung, you believe in spanking? <laughs> no. Not really, no. 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 Did Granny believe in spanking? Yeah, granny. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters. Oh, that is yeah. My mother wasn't really with the spankers, but my grandmother definitely. Come on, pass me. You had to yeah. get in front. Yeah. Oh, 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 o
You believe it? Mama believe White it? Mama White was about them spanking. Yeah. Barbara Montgomery, you believe in the spanking? Sure did. Yeah. I, never, <laughs> I never hit I didn't think hit I didn't I don't like that. I never, my mother. My mother would hit me now if she was here. I just I didn't believe that hitting them was an answer. And besides they were Mike was always somewhere doing some art or on his thumb or something. So, unless y'all know. Pause. But I never, Very I don't. Necessary information. But I never had a reason to hit. Unfortunately, my father didn't share her <laughs> open-mindedness. But but let's 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 get into what it was like raising this guy in New York. What was it like? What was it like raising this guy? Keith was sometimes give me a run for my money sometimes. I, you know? I don't remember ever giving you a hard yeah. time. Mm-hmm. I would beat you and you wouldn't cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that is a... You, and that made me mad. It might be a Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Made me madder. So, you know, that's when your dad would step in sometime, he, you know. But because I would want to kill you. Right. Because you weren't crying. Right. And you would just laugh and you would just do it. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Yeah. Now, was it like a, was there like a lot of other kids around? Like, what was it? You know what I mean? Was this a house that was full of other kids from the neighborhood? Like, what was what was it like? Oh, you got, you got a guess? Well, nah. I have, we have a daughter. She was a couple of years older than me, and that's before Sean. So Sean came along late. So she went. But um, you were always the one that was always asking questions like, "Why was the sky blue?" And you want me to explain it to you very good. You know, detail it. Kind of like that. Kind of like how you do Yeah. I need answers. <laughs> yeah. You wanted deep answers, you know, and I couldn't always give you the answers for that. So you would beat me? Not for that. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> no. But I was protective of Walt. Yeah, you were always put... How many different schools did I go to? Like. Yeah, well, because I saw that you had... You were in intelligence. Right, but you like, know, how many school? Like, I went to like seven different schools. I don't know. I took if I didn't like the school, I'd go inside, look <laughs> around, and um, if I didn't like it, I just took. I would take you out and protest at the superintendent's that. office. Right? That's what's up. Yes, <laughs> I would go to the the uh, what is the, the dean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when you were at two seventy five, I did what I had to do because they kept you in there for a couple of weeks because you had a high average. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I went to the superintendent. I kept calling the school every day because you didn't get any homework. Yeah. Because they wanted to keep you in there. That's and right. I said, he, I, I said, it's a long weekend. How come he didn't get any homework? They, I think they got tired of me. They did because they gladly gave me what I wanted. So I put you over in Builder C at that time. Builder right. C. Mm-hmm. And then you went on to Brooklyn Tech. But I just followed behind with you, with Alana, and with, you know, I saw that you'll have, whatever I saw your area in, I worked at it. Right. Yeah. Mm. I like that. I like that. Mimi, <laughs> I like raising this guy. Oh, raising this guy in New York. Raising <laughs> <laughs> him oh. in New York. <laughs> but do you feel like it would have been different if you raised him somewhere else? No, I think Kenny would have been the same no matter where I raised him. It was rough. Because he, Kenny was, I wasn't, first of all, I wasn't used to kids. Responding like he did. Being humans, <laughs> talking and breathing stuff. <laughs> he, like, I was used to, if you tell a kid to do something, they did it. And that said, no talking back or anything like that. He didn't talk back, but he had an answer for everything. You know, and I didn't know how to deal with him. And so, and the, the school, like you said, the school didn't know how to deal with him. And he used to get in trouble in school. Like he would, like he would finish. He would do his work, but when he finished, he would walk around the classroom and bother all the other kids. <laughs> and the, and the teachers and they thought something was mentally wrong with him, <laughs> you know, because he did it no matter what, and he wouldn't lie. One thing about Kenny, if you came and said that Kenny did such so, yeah, maybe he did it this kid, but it said lie. He didn't lie. He would tell you the truth no matter what, whether he got a beating or not. You know what? You want to tell his story? Yeah. The, 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 the part where the teacher said, I forged your signature? Yeah. The teacher said, I forged, forged your signature. You did. I did. 
CJ <laughs> <laughs> asked me in class oh, in front of everybody, did you forge a signature? I was like, yeah. She's like, why? Because I ain't do nothing wrong. So why should I have to get in trouble for something I didn't do? <laughs> and all my friends was like, oh, we're going to get your ass whooped. <laughs> with kids really he was very good he'd come home do his homework he didn't want to run around outside now DJ on the other hand that's that's right. totally right. opposite right but we have multiple we, kids so we call Phil the mayor because yes. wherever we go everybody yes. loves him yes. and wants to carry on a conversation yes, with him with the mayor yes, yes. That, that's how he is ever since he was a little kid you know he never had to have a beating or anything because he would do what he was told, and he was, you know, I just thought, a good I, thought, kid. I thought it was weird when you told me when I was a kid. You said yeah, I, w- I would wake up in, in the crib. And yeah, when, when he was a baby, from ever since he was a baby, he'd wake up in the crib. You know how some kids wake up crying and carrying on? Not Phil. He would wake up, and he'd just sit in the corner of the crib. Maybe look at him and say, hey, Phil. he just smiled. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, always very pleasant. Now, always. now, obviously, raising multiple kids, though, yes. everybody's not the same. So sometimes different. you have to switch it up. Right? Everyone is different. But you know, you hear some parents, I treat all my kids the same. No, no. You treat them based on who they were. Yes. Because, and I learned that from when I first had DJ, um, the mid, a midwife told me, she said, Mrs. Shung, if you have two kids or you have ten kids, each one is going to be different. And it's going to be sometimes like if they're not from the same parent. <laughs> and it is true, because DJ, he would always worry about wanting to go out with his friends, and if he couldn't go out, because my mother was a very strong disciplinarian. And she would tell him, no, you can't go out until you do your homework or whatever. And he would sit there and cry. If I don't go out, I'm going to lose my friends. I'm not going to have friends. And she'd say, well, you're not going to have friends until you finish. <laughs> and Phil was, Phil was the angel. I always tell everybody, Phil was my angel. And Petula, she was, she was good too. But she had her ways, you know. And, and Prissy, Prissy was good. And I never had really had any problems with them, only DJ. Because DJ, he wanted to follow whatever the friends were doing, you know? And we were like, no, you'll do what we say. If you want to be like your friends, then you got to go live with your friends, you know? And, yeah, and, you know, and then he'd realize, you know, he'd go out and then in a minute he would, you know, come back and say, no, I don't want to be out there, you know? So... That's it. <laughs> All right, now jumping over to Mama McIntosh. What was it like? Oh, well, did we did we we went through? So what was it like? 
Um, are we going to the next question? No, no, no. Same question, right? So what was it like raising Big Mally in Newark? Or was it, was it Newark or Patterson? No, Newark, Irvington. It was Newark, Irvington. Months. Patterson, Newark, Irvington. Yeah, Patterson, Newark. Yeah. Um, it was pretty easy. You know, I didn't have, he would, uh, kind of like Kenny, Mike was always honest. And, and I have, I always say that he kind of, Raised me. I kind of had a potty mouth for a while, and and when I would use profanity, talk to him, which really, when I think back, it was never a reason because he never gave me any problems. He's never been. I never even felt the need to hit him for anything because he was always the. What is the word? He had an answer, but the answer always made so much sense. Like I remember one time, Mike, don't take your bike in the street. He took his bike in the street anyway, but there was a reason that he took it, and so I was. I was arguing, and I was <laughs> using profanity. He stops in the middle, mommy. I'm not. I'm listen. I'm not trying to be disrespectful or anything, but when you're talking like that, your your face is being really animated. So um, I don't want you to be disrespectful. <laughs> How old is he at this time? Like nine. Uh, you know what? I explained to her. I explained to her that she was using a lot of those words, and I remember. In he said because I don't have a big enough yes. vocabulary. Yes, and I didn't mean it in any disrespectful way. But I couldn't. I wasn't upset because, you know, I, I, um, you know, we feel that we raise our children, but because it's their world, they're raising right. us. So when he said that, I stopped profanity for about ten years until yes. But um, <laughs> because it made so much sense. Why am I saying that word when there's so many other words? You know, it, it was, I, I have to say today that it's, it was my, I didn't, like I said to y'all, I didn't grow up knowing anything about my black person. Mm -hmm. I was sitting at my daughter's uh, graduation and Mike had a book, Tom Fellings, and it was uh, the middle passage. So I was looking in the book, and he was an illustrator at the time. So I'm, you know, well, to me, now he's an illustrator. Back then he was a, he used to draw. So I opened the book, and I was like, oh, wow, this is a nice drawing. And um, he said to me, Mommy, you don't know what that is? So I was like, well, yeah, it looks like, I don't know, maybe like sardines or something. Because it was a pencil drawing. So he said, well, Mommy, that's the middle passage. Like, okay. So I didn't know what it was, and he explained to me. And from that point on, because he said that to me, that helped me to want to know who I am, where I came from, and you know why he is the way that he is, and why he speaks the way that he does, and why I had to learn to be. I'm, I'm a black woman, and I have to protect my who I am. So I have I say that raising him was easy when he wasn't hanging from whatever he used to just hang from things everything like a, so I guess I can't we all black you can say it. <laughs> <laughs> like a monkey, monkey. <laughs> should have got him that t-shirt <laughs> he used to always hang from things and whatever but raising him was pretty easy I didn't have any problems at all so. Um, I think we're gonna, you know, we're gonna jump into a couple more topics, but before we do that, we're gonna jump into a tune and come <laughs> right back. You all appreciate it. When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old, kicked out on the streets. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place Suspended from school, I'm scared to go home I was a fool with the big boys breaking all the rules Shed tears with my baby sister Over the years, we was poor than other little kids And even though we had different daddies The same drama when things went wrong, we blamed mama I reminisce on the stress I caused, it was hell Hugging on my mama from a jail cell in elementary, hey, I see the penitentiary one day. Running from the police, that's right. Mama catch me, put a whoop into my backside. And even as a crack fiend, mama, you always was a black queen, mama. I finally understand for a woman, it ain't easy trying to raise a man. You always was committed, a poor single mother on welfare. Tell me how you did it, there's no way I can pay you back. But the plan is to show you that I understand. You all appreciate it. All right, so and we're back. Um, so we're back with the Nemas, which is our affectionate term for our mothers, our matriarchs. Um, 
And so, um, you know, as we kind of develop and build our community, one of the cornerstones of community is the relationship, partnerships, um, social contracts with one another. And so we have that with our mutual partners, lovers, wives, however you define your partner. Um, and um, we know that we can take wisdom from the Nima. So after years of marriages, friendships, and children, like what are your thoughts on maintaining healthy relationships? How do you maintain a healthy relationship? I believe in communicating, keeping it real. <laughs> okay, that's all I have to say about that. It's communi communicating with one another and just expressing you how you feel. How long have you been married? Oh, it'll be 47 years in November. 47 years. So you know a little bit about communicating? I'm learning. Okay. I'm learning. Still growing. Good. It's a process. Mm -hmm. Nima, what do you think is the key to healthy relationships? I guess, like Gloria said, communicating, but I've been a widow for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't think that me and my husband communicated a lot with each other. I knew that we, we loved each other, but the communication was easy because I think I, we were two totally different people. I was one way and he was another way. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if, if he was alive. We would have been married about 40, 48 years, not fellas, but... Oh, wow. You know, so it, it was a long time, but my, my we came from two different backgrounds, two different parts of the South, so and I think that the interacting were, I was very outgoing. Mm -hmm. He was very close, and he was to himself, mostly to himself. What part of the South was he from? He was from Alabama. Oh, okay. So you think it was like a big culture shock being up here? It was. It was. He, uh... I, I guess it's hard to explain because he was more, I was outgoing than he wasn't. We was two different types of people, but again, I guess I was good for him because me being the way I was, and I don't think he understood my way. Either like, he liked it, but he didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mama Sean. Uh, <laughs> I think, like the, like the other mother said, Communication is key, but also you have to give and take. It's not everything that you know you argue about or you know you put the other one down like that. So I think um, you know like getting to know each other and and just being you know mindful of each other's feelings. I I, I think that's the key. Yeah. Like Mr. Montgomery now, unfortunately, we also lost Papa Sean. Uh, yes. You know, recently, what what is it like being with someone, pretty much your entire adult life? Yeah, and for then 49 having, years. Wow. And then yeah. having to like deal with that transition, which you're still dealing with now. What what is right. it like? It's sometimes it's hard because it's like just a little over a month now that he passed, but. Um, I find that I'm still like missing him and would still like sometimes still thinking, is he there? Is he, you know, you know, and I miss doing for him and, you know, seeing him smile or whatever. Even though he was sick and he had dementia, still, you know, I and the kids, we all took part in taking care of him. Mm. And um, he would always, you know, whenever I, f I took the part at night, feeding him and taking care of him. And every night when I go up and you know, I would give him his dinner, I would put the music on that he likes, you know, and even though he couldn't, um, you know, like respond or whatever, not really respond, he knew the music and that's how I communicated with him. Because as soon as I put on the music that he liked, he'd either shake his shoulder or, you know, move his head from side to side. And then I know he's still understanding, you know? So, 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 so your I communication feel. had to even change. So still, yes. like everyone's yes. saying, you had to yes. get a new form of communication. New form of communication. Mm -hmm. communication. And then the kids all helped with everything. And he knew, you know, he knew everyone. And, you know, we just had to change our way of dealing with him. 
but you know we loved him and then i could remember there were times when i would think that um you know like sometimes i would say i think he loves me more than i love him you know like even when we were like you know in the latter years like let's say 40 years or something but then i realized like when he got sick you know and the kids were saying like should we take him to the nursing home should we do and i was like no no i said i don't care what happens you know we got to take care of him i don't want him to go in place and for him to be you know mishandled or to be treated badly so you know it's love and I think that's the key to the relationship. Because once you love each other, then don't care what happens, you stick with it. You know, you might not feel good one day and the next day, but you know, you say, you love this person. You was in it for, for love, so. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of different types of relationships from different ranges, different, you know, circumstances, mm -hmm. all of that. What was, what was <coughs> it like for you when you were in that space and time in your life dealing with a relationship? Time ago. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I actually quit relationships in the early 90s. But, um, <laughs> I I'm a little bit different. <laughs> but but during, during the time that, um, and I was young when I got married, I was 19, and he was, he was, he was younger. <laughs> but um, we grew, we grew together and we grew apart. Um, I think that the key to any relationship, whether it's a marriage, uh, um, a, a friendship, uh, anything, is honesty and being honest enough with yourself to know if you need to even be in that relationship. If you really want to be in a relationship, being comfortable enough to say to the person, uh -huh. I, I'm not comfortable with this, you know, let's talk about it. If, if, if you can be honest enough with yourself then I feel that you can be honest with that person. Say like if I'm in a relationship, I would, uh, I'm very open, so I'm, I, but you don't really find that in a relationship where people are afraid, oh, if I say this, maybe he won't wanna stay with me or, or what have you. But I think that for me, if I had a relationship now, I don't know that someone could really honestly handle it because I'm very, very, very truthful. <laughs> I'm very, very open. And that's the way that it is. And that's the way relationships should be. You know, it, I don't have to, for instance, I will say this, I have a, a person now that's a friend of mine that's, she just met a guy, well, a man, because we're in our 60s. <clears throat> she automatically like, oh, I don't like his clothes. I, I'm going to buy him some new clothes. But why? If you like him, you like him. Why do you, those are his clothes. Why are you trying to change the people we have to be comfortable enough in ourselves to be comfortable with the person that we say that we love or that we like enough to want to spend our time with accept people for what they are so for me a relationship is just acceptance accepting what you know what you feel that you're comfortable being with but now how do we deal with that right like those of us that are in the younger parts of our relationships I want to get some some words of wisdom from the neighbors how do you all what do you all think about that dynamic of not necessarily trying to change a person, but certainly you have perspectives, uh, expectations, what have you. And as humans, you're always trying to impose your will in some way. Do you think, well, yeah, whether it's good or not, it's reality. You know what I'm saying? What do you think about being with someone and trying to change them? Maybe not for the better or for the worse. You think it's best to simply accept people as they are, or you should try to change them for the better to the best of your ability. What do you think about that? I think that in my case, I need to work, I will work on myself first. Okay, okay, okay. And then let God do the rest. I don't think you should try to change anyone, mm -hmm. your mate or whoever the way you want them to be. I think everyone should be themselves and be honest with themselves. Yes, I think um, honesty, yes, is the best policy. And, um, you know, if you don't like something about the person, mm -hmm. maybe you should tell them, but not in a harsh way, in a loving way. And see, maybe they'll realize that, you know, whatever you were trying to tell them, it might be better. You know, or, or if you see they, that they don't want to change, then 
there comes the love again. And maybe gradually, gradually, that person would realize. Yeah. All right. Thoughts on, you know, when you see an aspect of a person that you maybe don't like and you probably want to change it. But what do you do? Do you go about trying to change it? Do you accept it? What? Well, I think up front when you meet someone, that's that's the whole process of getting to know a person. None of us mm-hmm. are going to ever like anything, everything about everybody. It's, it's up to you. If you, let's say if it's a person's clothing, which is so stupid, it's clothing. If it's a person, let's say if, if I was married, if I was married to someone like you, because I know I'm, I'm around you, and if I was married to someone like him, like his, like his dad, he's, he has a lot of opinions. If I love him enough to stay there, I can tune that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just don't hear it. Because I'm not, I'm, no one should want to be, to me, that's like wanting to own something. That's why I don't mm-hmm. own a pet. Because we have this, insatiable appetite to own something. It's like a relationship. Oh, he can't go anywhere. He can't do anything. Why are you looking at her? Why? It's just exhausting. So because it's exhausting, I feel that, you know, we should just let people be. If you don't like something about them, keep it to yourself. Maybe that's what they, they like what they are doing. You feel that is something that they should change. But if they don't think it's anything they should change, just leave it. All right. So speaking of change, we're going to change it up real quick and cut to some music. But when we get back, we're going to talk a bit about aging. We'll talk about getting older, some of the expectations and things that you didn't expect. Talk a bit about that. So we're ready to wrap this up. Once again, we want to thank all the Nemas for giving us your time today on this, you know, wonderful Mother's Day to celebrate you all. And we're going to end on something that we don't hear a lot about. At least I don't hear a lot about covering like podcasts and things of that nature. Maybe we'll get some some older fellas on next time so we can see what it's like. But for the ladies that are out there, the younger ladies, you all have a lot of wisdom about aging. You know, getting older, things that you may have expected, things that you know. Maybe you had in mind, didn't have in mind. Okay. Let's 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 talk about aging, but then let's let's talk about the future. Let's 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 get into what expectations you still have for yourselves, for your children, your grandchildren. You know, let's let's get into to those two. So let's talk a bit about aging, and then you know some ideas that you still have about future expectations. All that. Okay. To me, age is an attitude, but you embrace it as you get older. You embrace it as another part of your life that's transitioning and just being positive. You being positive about things, it makes it easier to me. That's my opinion. Wonderful. Let's talk a bit about the future. Like, you know, what what are some ambitions that that you have for yourself, children, grand, all that? Well, for myself, I'm really looking at getting into some kind of art or some music. That's where the direction I'm headed in. For my children or grandchildren, I just want them all to finish college. And if they don't finish college, just be doing something constructive, positive, in a direction that they're being led to go in. Something constructive. And like my son here and my daughter, the, it looks like the kids are going to be, they're going to be fine. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Getting old. <laughs> Um, I look forward to being my age. I'm 76 years old. What I don't look, didn't look forward to was being in pain. Mm. Like my, my knee bothers me. 
because I, I wanted to be able to run around, and which I still do, even through the pain, I still run around. With the sports and, car. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so actually, I enjoyed my age. I'm enjoying I enjoy being with around you guys in the, in the office every day. I enjoy with my crazy biological son teasing me all the time. <laughs> you know, putting me out. He ain't come. He need a beating, Nemo. You got uh, to get ready to get to yeah, it. You got to get the beans back, Nemo. Oh, right. man. That's what he tells me. He going to beat me the way I used to beat him. <laughs> and... And I love all you guys, because you're all like my son to me. I know they're your son, but they're like my son, too. <laughs> I love them. I love and, and we love you. My grandkids, I have, I just want them to be good, be respectful towards people, each other, and do well in school. That's, and I just love them. And I love my son, too. I love my daughter-in-law. So, and I love my, not biological grandkids. I love all my grandkids. They're all mine. <laughs> and that's what I look forward to, going over with them and being able to walk again. Well, I can't walk, but you know, yeah. without a cane. Right, exactly. Run over. Okay. 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 What's the first question? <laughs> <laughs> My mom is exhausted. Getting grown. Yeah, getting grown. Oh, um, well, I thought, too, at my age, that I probably should have been a little bit more active or, or not like, like Nima um, Montgomery says, not in so much pain. Because I have a knee that, you know, Sometimes I think it want to take me down, but I'm not giving up. Mm -hmm. I'm not giving right. up. That's right. And I'm I'm still keeping, you know, keep moving. And the kids usually help me a lot with whatever I have to do. So that is kind of helpful. And I look forward to to growing to be a good old age. I always tell my kids, I'm looking for 125. Well, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a stretch. That's I am a stretch now. Yes, I yes. think that's stretch. I think, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, we, we, have to, we have to right? keep going. Yeah, the thing going. is, I tell everyone, you cannot stop. Or you can't, you know, you could, you could ease a little, but do not stop. Because when you stop, mm -hmm. that's it. That's it. Yeah. And for my kids and my grandchildren, just want them to be healthy and for everybody to get along. Peace, love, and harmony, you know, and to have good sense and to work at being, you know, productive, productive and successful in some, you know, in some form. Always to be kind to everyone and to be cooperative and, you know, to live a good life. Well, first I want to go and say something to uh, Kenny's mom. I want to, I'm going to kind of take the second part of the question. For my kids, it, it makes me feel really, really, really good to hear someone else takes my son as their son because that's one of the biggest things, fears that you have as a parent, how my children going to fare when they're out there. Although he's almost 100. You know, still that's my son. That's still the little boy that used to lay in so I can stumble and twist his hair. So he's always gonna be that to me. But to hear you did to hear, you know, to know that when he's here, you know, because no matter what, when he leaves New Jersey, he's he's five years old to me. Oh God, he gotta go across that bridge. God, these people gonna somebody gonna look at him, his cops gonna stop me or whatever. So to know that he's being received by his brothers, like and you're right, like this one here. <laughs> you did. Yeah. You did. You and your husband did a great job. Thank you. Great, Thank great. You. So when when I know when he's with his brothers, he's taken care of because they love him. They 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 love him. I see the love when when yeah, uh, when they are together, and I hear about you every five minutes. <laughs> We're gonna take care of it. As far as aging, 
I can't even I can't even tell you how great I, I love it. I love it. I love mm. I can say what I want. Yeah. I have no filter <laughs> at all. <laughs> I say whatever I feel like saying and I don't apologize for it. Right. I don't answer questions that I don't want to answer and I can just I, I love aging. Yeah. Things I didn't expect. Feel free. Well, as I said, I have no filter, so I don't know if I want to say it <laughs> on the podcast. But there's a lot of unexpectancies, you know, unexpected things that happen as you age, um, and you just you just deal with it. Mm-hmm. You deal with it. You laugh about it, and you're like, "Oh my God, did that just happen? Yeah. Oh my God, that happened." <laughs> so you know, it it happens. It, it's what it is. Everybody, you you wanna to you to the young ladies that's out there and the young men and whoever is listening, you want to get sixty. You have to live Absolutely. like you want to see 60 mm-hmm. and 70. And I'm like, I'm like Mom Shung over here. I'm looking, I'm going for the long I stretch, 125. <laughs> and I intend to be in somebody's video dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> While I still got two good knees. Wow. Because yeah. I would still shut the club down. <laughs> oh, we oh, actually man. have seen that first thing. <laughs> Another <Okay>. game. <laughs> All right, so, I mean, you know, listen. Um, we want to um, just take a moment again to honor you guys and to say thank you, to tell you that we love you, and we affirm all goodness and all peace and all um, positivity that you have affirmed in us. And so, um, you know, to all the mothers out there, all potential mothers out there, or all matriarchs, whether you have children, whether you don't have children, that are physically or biologically yours, um, anyone taking the mantle of leadership, anyone taking the mantle of showing some other young person um, a good path you know, forward, um, peace and love to you. And to, again, to our neighbors and to our wives, to our mothers, to our partners, to our lovers, peace from the Brooklyn Combine. Peace. And, God, and, God bless, God bless and happy Mother's Day. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. DJ has something to say for the mothers. <laughs> God bless all the mothers. <laughs> to give you blood. Three months, man. What you doing in here anyway? You ought to be home with your mama. How old are you, boy? Thirteen. Thirteen? Damn. The best must be running out of niggas to arrest. This goes out to all the families that went through the struggle. Yeah. With no heart. It was all from the heart. Everything was real. Yeah. Dwelling in the past, flashbacks when I was young Whoever thought I'd have a baby girl and three sons But going through this difficult stage, I find it hard to believe While my old earth had so many seeds, but she's her own woman And due to me, I respect that I saw life for what it's really worth and took a step back Family ain't family no more We used to play ball, eggs after school, eat grits cause we was poor Grab the flies for the channel, fix the hanger on the TV Rocking each other's pants to school, wasn't easy, we survived winters Snotty nose with no coats we kept it real, but the older brother still had jokes Sadly, daddy left me at the age of six I didn't know nothing, but mommy neatly packed the shit She cried, and grandma held the family down I guess mommy wasn't strong enough, she just went down Check it, 15 of us in a three-bedroom apartment Roaches everywhere, cousins and aunts was there Four in the bed, two at the foot, two at the head I didn't like to sleep with John, John, he peed the bed Seven o'clock, plucking roaches out the cereal box Two shared the same spoon, watch a Saturday Cartoons, sugar water was a thing Every meal was no frill In the summer, free lunch held us down like steel And there were days I had to go to Tech's house with a note Stay in Gloria, can I borrow some food? I'm dead broke, so embarrassing I couldn't stand a knock in they door My friends might be laughing I spent stamps in stores Mommy wears a toilet paper Use the newspaper Look, Miss Rose gave us a couch She's the neighbor, things was deep My whole youth was sharper than cleats Two brothers with muscular dystrophy Killed me, but I remember this Mom's a liquor Fingertips to wipe the coal out my eye before school with a spit. Caseworker had a running back to face to face. I caught a case house and try to throw us out of our place. Sometimes I look up at the stars and analyze the sky and ask myself, Was I meant to be here? Why? Yeah. yeah.